Lord God, thank you for this great day. Lord, thank you for waking us up this morning and bringing us here safely. Lord, thank you for transforming our lives, giving us a desire to be here, to learn about you, to grow in our love for you, to grow in the way that we shepherd our own hearts, the way that we shepherd our homes, the way that we do ministry. Lord, thank you for all of that. Thank you for these men, Lord, with a desire to do that. Uh, Lord, use this time to bring glory to yourself. Um, enable me to speak the words that you would like me to say. Lord, help this time to um, just be an encouragement to all of us so that we can bring it home and encourage our families, Lord. In your name, amen. So, I think I know most of you, but if you don't know me, I'm going to introduce myself a little bit. Um, my name's Matt. I've been at Grace Bible Church since the day we opened 20 or so years ago. Um, I have three kids. They are 14, 16, and 20, um, which is weird to have a not a teenager. Um, he just turned 20 last week. Um, I own a coffee shop, uh, Sagebrush Coffee. You may have seen co Sagebrush Coffee here. Um, that's just shameless promotion. Um, and so that's what I do for a living. And it's been such a sweet blessing. This July, we actually opened it as a coffee shop. It's been an online business. And what's been a blessing about it is the amount of ministry that I've seen happen in the coffee shop. Um, my daughter started her shift on Wednesday, and she walked in and says, I don't think there's a person I don't know here. Um, it was so many people from GBC were there just encouraging each other. Um, the meetings that happen at that coffee shop are great. The amount of time that I've been able to interact with people from the body and people not from the body has been a blessing. Um, and so that's kind of what I do for a living is um, <coughs> sit at a coffee shop and talk to people. Uh, it's pretty fun. Um, about three or four years ago, maybe five, I became an elder here at GBC and have been doing that as well. Um, and this is the third time I've led us through BUILD. Um, and so this has been the single most impactful ministry of Grace Bible Church on my own personal life. Uh, I was there the first time Scott started at a Denny's going, hey, I got this idea and I want to walk you guys through it and you're my guinea pigs. And I think this might ruin you or this might be a real blessing. Um, and he was right that it was a real blessing. Um, and there were some things that even even been taken out of the program, but I remember um, the first time we talked about shepherding our homes and he's like here's a survey you need to sit down with your wife and ask these questions about how you're doing in your home and he describes the moment when we came back as these like beat up puppy dogs that thought they knew what they were doing <laughs> and found out that they were doing a terrible job um, and and that was one of the places where I actually learned how to communicate with my wife I learned how to shepherd her and hear from her where I was lacking um, that was a huge impact on me. Uh, I learned how to pray through this ministry because of some of those interactions and some of the things that I taught. Um, and so I'm super encouraged by this ministry. I'm really excited. This is the first time we met in the worship center. I think it's the first class type thing at GBC that we've done without tables. So congratulate yourselves. You guys are gonna have to take notes on your laps. Um, and that's just a testimony to how many men wanna be a part of this ministry. And I'm so excited about that, like genuinely excited that we have this many people. Um, so that's kind of an introduction. So what is BUILD? And the purpose of BUILD is to grow men in their ability to shepherd their hearts in their home. Um, if, raise your hand if you've heard the phrase, shepherd your heart. Okay, most of you. Raise your hand if you've heard the phrase shepherd your heart at, in any other context other than GBC. Like four, good. Um, I feel like that's a GBC nomenclature. Like that's a phrase we've come up with. Um, I, I don't know that I've heard it outside of here. Um, but really that's kind of what this cast is all about. And so that's what I wanna, what we'll be talking about. I think between this session and the next one, we're talking about God's transformation of man which is heavy theology. And then it's something like the next three or four are all about the heart um, and how we shepherd our hearts. So let's define that. 
Shepherding your heart is the intentional practice of bringing your heart to the Word of God so that it is informed and transformed by the God of the Word. Um, and those two phrases, the Word of God and the God of the Word, I think are important. It's very easy for us to go to the Word of God to learn things about God, and that's good. But what we need to be going to the Word of God is for is to meet with the God of the Word. Um, we need to treat it like a love letter from our Savior. Um, and so I, we don't want to get caught up in the theology of it, although theology is great, and miss the opportunity to actually learn how to love God more in what we see. So what is not shepherding your heart? Um, let's say it's Tuesday, and, and the Monday was a tough Monday. So I know I need to read my Bible today because I had a bad day yesterday. Um, so what should I read? Let me open it up. Uh, Psalms is probably good. Let me pull up Psalms. Read a Psalm, go, yeah, that was helpful, and then go back to my day. Um, that's not shepherding your heart. Maybe you're in numbers, and you're like, well, I got to check a box on my reading plan. Let me just plow through numbers as fast as I can so I can get to the good stuff. Um, that's not shepherding your heart. Um, what is shepherding your heart? You wake up, and I know, I know that if I don't bring my heart within alignment with the heart of God, then I'm not going to be successful fighting sin today. I hate the person I am when I am not bringing my heart in alignment with God. And so I grab my Bible and I pray. I plead with God, clear my mind. The distractions of the day have already entered. I wake up, I grab my phone, there's 43 unread messages, and I, those are already on my mind. Um, I need to plead with God to help me focus on Him so I can step into worship of Him through God's Word. I pull up numbers, and I see God in His infinite glory on every single page of Scripture, and so I worship Him. I know the areas that I fall into sinful patterns, and so I beg him to help me see his glory in a way that I can fight off that day. Men skilled in shepherding their own heart and home are equipped for ministry at Grace Bible Church, and men skilled in shepherding their own heart and home are qualified for more training at Grace Bible Church. And men skilled in shepherding their own heart have something that they can bring home to their families and encourage them in the same way. That's what build really, that's, that's it. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to learn how to shepherd our hearts well so we can meet with God, so we can grow in our love for God, so that we can be useful for ministry. So how do we go about that? Um, if you've got a notebook, if you're new, there should have been a notebook for you. If this is your second time through, there were like some sheets with a table of contents that you can put in the front of your notebook that kind of walk through this time. Um, and so I want to I go through that a little bit. Um, I think on the back of your notebooks should be the build disciplines. Um, I haven't actually looked at a notebook since Rachel set them up. Are they on there? Yes. I think last year I said it was on the first page and everyone corrected me it was on the back, so I updated my notes. Um, so I want to read the build disciplines. Discipline one, the heart. The faithful leader shepherds his heart worshipfully towards God through the word of God. Discipline two, the home. The faithful leader is concerned for those in his home and shepherds them towards God with the word of God. Discipline three, the ministry. The faithful leader with a heart and home oriented towards God and his word steps into the Grace Bible Church family to shepherd others towards God and the word of God. Discipline four, the qualifications. The faithful leader prayerfully pursues the character of qualified deacon or elder in the church according to 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And discipline 5, the hermeneutic. The faithful leader disciplines himself to carefully interpret the word of God to discover what God meant by what God said in his word. That's the focus. Those are the disciplines. Um, if you look at the schedule... I think at the beginning of each lesson, there's a D1, D2, D whatever. Um, some of them say D1 through four. Um, and those disciplines are there 
to help guide us on how we're trying to align our teaching under these biblical disciplines. Um, this year's a little bit different. I reached out to the elders and said, hey, um, we've been doing a lot of the same lessons over and over and over again. Um, you guys know the build disciplines. If there's something on your heart that you'd like to share with these men um, that lines up under one of these disciplines, let me know. And I got way more than 16 lessons. I didn't want to throw all 16 out, so we basically split it half and half. And so we've got about eight new lessons, eight lessons we've done in the past. Um, I'm excited to hear the new lessons. I haven't heard them. I got a one-sentence paragraph or one sentence, sometimes a paragraph, sometimes a sentence. This is what I want to talk about. Tried to figure out how to turn that sentence into a title, and that's what you see on your page. Um, so it'll be great. Um, our typical schedule, I had a few people email me asking if we start at 645. I think somehow that was in one of the emails you guys received, but that's not actually when we start. We start at 7, we go till 9, and we probably don't stop talking at 9. Um, so I think a good expectation is to go from 7 to like 9, 10, um, and we'll go from there. Um, this is a piece of leadership training here at Grace Bible Church. Um, we would love every man at Grace Bible Church to go through build, and um, most men have. Uh, when we signed up, we had a little over 70 people sign up for build, and uh, 45 of them had been through build before, um, and that's great. I think these are, these are not things that we graduate from, um, and that's part of the reason that we're adding new lessons is there's just so much around these topics that can be taught, that can be learned. And, and so we want to have a rotation of really three years worth of lessons that we're going through on a regular basis so that if you come back and do build again, um, the same lessons, some of them, man, are super encouraging. And I've heard them, like, we even change up what elders teach what lessons. And so I feel like I've heard them again for the first time um, year over year. And then there's just so much that can be learned from God's word through that. So um, that's what build is. If you do build well, and by doing build well, it really means attending most of the sessions, um, working on the homework, allowing the homework to speak to you, allowing yourself to grow in your love for God, um, then you'll probably get an invite to the trust. And the trust is something that SMED has led for years that digs a lot deeper into the theology side of things. Um, and, and the trust is rooted out of, out of the passage that says, trust these things to faithful men. And so we want to see that men are faithful by having them go through build well so that we can trust these things to faithful men. Um, then we also have a ministry within the church, Shepherdology, where men who are desiring more shepherding roles um, will invite them in, and they just sit with the elders. Um, usually it's once a week, and, and we generally they just observe us talking through issues as we work through things. Um, and that's been Shepherdology. And then I think many of you guys have heard about TES. Um, we've been, uh, we are a TES campus. TES is the Expositor Seminary. Um, we've been doing that for a few years. Um, it's what Grace Bible Institute was, which is what Josh graduated from, um, Omri and Jeff graduated from it. And then it became TES as we started partnering with other churches for that. Um, so this really is a beginning forum for leadership at GBC. My biggest fear in teaching build is that I forget to hit record and then I have to go back later and record this thing to nobody. Um, when we were doing COVID and I was teaching NGM to the camera, that was literally the hardest thing I've ever done. Like teaching a bunch of kids with kids interacting is one thing. Teaching a bunch of kids with a camera in front of you is, yeah, I don't envy the Blues Clues guy. Um, which probably is a really dated reference as to how old my kids are, but. Um. All right, so we've got this chart. Um, I don't really have a projector, and if I, even if I did, you wouldn't be able to see anything on it. So I thought about putting it up on the projector, and all, the print's hard to see if it's sitting in front of you and you're doing this. Um, but I wanna walk through it. So this chart is kind of split up in different sections. Today we're gonna to really focus on the left-hand panel. Uh, we're gonna talk about the unregenerate man, and that's the guy at the top. Um, and you can see there's some intentionality with a lot of what we have here. Um, 
we have, that guy has uh, members, a physical body, and that's kind of the gray outline around him. I mean, he's got the inner man. And the unregenerate inner man is black, and that's intentional. We'll talk about that. Um, that is man without Christ. Um, then we have a regeneration event. And so you can kind of see that regeneration. The light or dark brown takes you down to where God declares that person righteous. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that regeneration event. Um, and then the end of the lesson, if we have time, we're going to preview a little bit of what the regenerate man is. And the next time, um, we're going to work our way through the rest of this. So each panel, it's split into thirds. Each panel represents um, a different state of man. Um, so let's just jump straight in um, to the unregenerate man. Um, every single unbeliever on this planet is this. They are without Christ, and they are unmixed and in a sinful condition. Um, this is who a person is without Jesus. Uh, turn with me to Romans 8. start in verse 5 and I want to I want to read verses 5 through 8 and then spend some time talking about them so Romans 8 verse 5 for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who are according to the spirit the things of the spirit for the mind set on the flesh is death but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because, in, in the, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This passage contrasts two conditions. It contrasts the unregenerate and the regenerate. Look at the beginning of verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh. In my former condition, I was according to the flesh. The flesh can mean the tissue which covers your bones and muscles. But in this, the flesh means that which is sinfully weak and falters before God and loves to be such before God. Loves to be faltered before God. To live according to that, to live according to the flesh, is to live by the standard of my own natural condition. To live according to the flesh is to be one that is sinfully weak and faltering before God. And it says at the second half of that verse, it says, set those men set their minds according to the things of the flesh or on the things of the flesh. In my former condition, I set my mind on things of the flesh. My mind is who I am inwardly before God as a thinker, a ponderer, a meditator. I took my thinking self and set it according to the standard of that sinfully weak and faltering flesh. Notice that there's no conflict between my mind and my flesh. I was according to the flesh and I set my mind on things of the flesh. Instead, those are in perfect agreement to one another. So what does that look like? Think about your non-believing days. Your mind was set on every physical thing that would bring about good feelings. You fed that. Your mind was according to the flesh. And Paul goes on to give us results of this way of thinking. In verse 6 it says, for the mindset on the flesh is death. This is a spiritually dead condition before God. All of my thoughts will lead me only to a position of spiritual enmity before God. This calls back to Ephesians 2.1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. This is what the mind according to the flesh is. Verse 7, the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. I did not subject myself to the law of God. In my dead condition, I was only a hostile rebel before God. 
it is not even able to do so. The end of verse 7. In that condition, I had no built-in equipping to do God's will. Remember this phrase, that, that 8-7-C phrase, it is not even able to do so. It's important to understand that contrast as we work our way through this today. When our minds were set according to the flesh, we were not even able to do um, that which was according to God's law. We were not even able to do that which was according to God's will. Um, the mind, um, verse 8 says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Remember who Paul is thinking about here. The person who is in the flesh. That person cannot please God. There's nothing that person can do to please God. So putting a change of environment before that person will not make them able to please God. Neither will new friends, neither will a new job, neither will a new church. All of those things are worthless because none of those things address the heart condition. Anything outside of what can address the heart is powerless in the life of a man according to the flesh. This is the unregenerate man. Um, so I'm going to work through a bunch of verses. I forget. I, I don't remember what's on your handout right now. Um, I think right now you guys have mostly blank space for point one. Is that true? Okay. Um, I'm going to walk through about a half dozen or so verses that just reiterate different aspects of what the unregenerate man is. I think those verses are on the um, are on the threefold. Um, blue, I don't know what we call this, God's transformation of man handout thingy. Um, so the first verse I want to look at is Ephesians 2, 3. Um, and actually turn there with me. I'm going to actually start at 2.1. I kind of called back to this a second ago. It says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived, in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. The flesh and mind have common unified desires. They're in agreement with one another. And when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we walked according to that. Colossians 1.13 says, He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved son. The unregenerate man is in the domain of darkness. He's under the power of a created being who is superior to man. Titus 3.3 says, For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and passions, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Notice the disposition of the person who lives according to the flesh. He has no desire whatsoever to please God. This was us once. And although we were, oh, for Colossians 1.21, um, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. Notice the position, alienated, and the orientation of this person, hostile in mind, and the activity, engaged in evil deeds. The position, orientation, and activity of one who is unregenerate is alienated, hostile in mind towards God, and engaged in evil deeds. This was us. Romans 6. Let's turn there together. We're going to look at 17 through 23.
thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your bodies as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you? Therefore, what benefit were you than deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God. You derive your benefit resulting in sanctification, and the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As you survey that, there were a lot of repeated words in there. There was a lot about that passage um, that talked about what we're talking about today. You were. What were you? You were a slave to sin, a slave to impurity, lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness. And what was the penalty? Death. This is the unregenerate man. This is a hopeless condition. There's nothing that we read here that says you can do to be able to save yourself from this position. Ephesians 4. Let's turn there. And just keep bouncing back and forth. I probably should have told you, keep your finger in Ephesians. I probably should have kept my finger in Ephesians. Um, or those of you that are using your app, you just swipe left. Um, um, 4, 17 through 19. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having been become callous, have given themselves over to the sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. What is the mind of the unregenerate? Futility darkness in their understanding, and hardness of heart. Their whole self is given over to sensuality. All of this is in agreement. There is no friction. There's no... The the phrase I said at the beginning, um, they are unable to do good. Philippians 3, 18 and 19 says, For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. The unregenerate is an enemy of the cross of Christ. And the last passage we'll touch on is back in Romans, um, basically the same page we just left, Romans 5. We'll read that together. Starting in verse 6, Romans 5, 6 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we will be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 6. What were we? Helpless. 7. What were we? Ungodly. We were sinners, and we needed rescue from God's wrath. We were an enemy of God that needed reconciliation. That left panel, that black guy, the, 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 
visual that we're giving in, at the top of that panel that is all black, that is all black because that is what the unregenerate man is. Um, it's heavy. It's sad. When you think about the non-believers around you, um, is this the context you put them in? Um, it's really kind of a depressing place to be if that's where we were left. Um, so what did we learn? That person is in an unmixed condition. Uh, their flesh, they do deeds according to their flesh. Their flesh desires um, lawlessness. They desire lawlessness. Their heart desires lawlessness. They can only run towards lawlessness. And the result of that is a lack of spiritual life. It's death. They're in hostility towards the Lord of the universe, the one that created them. They're in rebellion towards the Lord of the universe, the one that created them. There's no disagreement between their flesh and their mind. There's no internal contrast or conflict going on. Um, they're unable to not sin. They're unable to please God. There's no fight against sin. They're dominated by and enslaved by sin. Sin rules all the faculties of the person that is unregenerate. Their thoughts, their emotions, their motives, their actions. And they're unable to shepherd their heart. They're under God's wrath and they're under God's judgment. This is what the Old Testament or the New Testament calls the old man. Notice there's no description of a transition into the unregenerate state. It's not like, hey, you were born pretty good and then you became terrible. Um, and if you've had a toddler, you know this very well. They're just little tiny sinners who can't talk. Um, that's how we were born. The man, the child, was already in this state when he was born. And this is what a man is without Christ. So what is God's answer or solution to this condition? Um, it's, an unregener it's a regeneration event. It's a transforming event. Because a man's disposition against God, the only one who can do anything to alter man's course, is God. So we're moving down to the triangle at the bottom of that first, which kind of bleeds into the second panel. Um, and we're going to spend some time talking about that, uh, that regeneration event. What is regeneration? It is being declared righteous by God. Let me pull the chart out again. So if you look here, this is what we'll be talking about over the next few minutes. Regeneration event, being declared righteous. How are they declared righteous through the gospel? What happens? Um, and so that's what I want to talk about here. Regeneration is accomplished by God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is a theologically, theological summary of the good news. Um, it is adoption through propitiation. We'll, t we'll define that in a minute. Has anyone noticed how many flies there are this year? I don't know what happened. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's... What? It rained. It rained. Man, let's get rid of the rain. I was praying for rain and then it happened and now there's bugs. <laughs> there's a reason I live in Arizona. Um, watch what you pray for. Rain without bugs is a good thing. I'm not sure that happens. Um, all right, where was I? Adoption through propitiation. Adoption, making a child a part of a family to which they don't naturally belong. That's what adoption is. Um, propitiation is the satisfaction of wrath. God can bring the sinner into his family because Jesus satisfied the father's wrath against that person. Adoption through propitiation. Another great phrase is penal substitutionary atonement. Penalty, substitute, 
atonement to be brought into unity. There's a penalty for my sins. We talked about that. Jesus paid that penalty in my place. We just read that. Um, God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um, Jesus paid that penalty in my place. And in doing so, Jesus has brought me into a more peaceful union with God, appropriated through repentance and faith. Acts 20, 21 says, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The regeneration event has components. So regeneration is a once and for all time event accomplished by God for the believer at conversion. And here's some of the components. These, I think, are in your handouts. Um, so I'm going to touch on, kind of work our way through all of those and touch on one of the verses that are listed there. Um, you can see in your handout, there's probably a half dozen verses for each one. Um, in Scripture, there's probably a gajillion. Um, this is really, really common. We tried to highlight the most clear verses talking about each of these components of regeneration that we could find. Um, and then I'm going to touch on frankly, my favorites. Um, so let's work through this. Um, this is a lot. We, I put it in your notes because it's so much. I didn't want you guys to get hand cramps trying to keep up. Um, and so it's there so that you guys can kind of just listen and walk through it. And if you want to add notes or underline stuff, feel free to. But uh, most of this information is just right in front of you. Um, so the regeneration event components Notice that these are all events that happen once in time. And notice as we read these verses, who is doing the work? Um, I'll walk through everything that God does in the saving of sinners. Uh, and I'm going to go through it as quickly as I can. There is new birth, new life, new creation. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. There's new birth, there's new life, you're a new creation. The next one, positional sanctification. You are set apart unto God. This isn't progressive sanctification right now. We'll talk about that later. This is positional sanctification. Set apart unto God. 1 Corinthians 1-2. To the church of God, which is in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. Those who have been set apart unto God in Christ Jesus. Um, then there's justification, being declared righteous. Um, this is event, an event where you were declared righteous by God. Romans 3.24, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. We were justified at one point in time. Um, then there's imputation. Believers credited with God's righteousness. Jesus credited with the believer's sin. Think about that for a second. Um, imputation means that we were credited with God's righteousness. And Jesus was credited with those of us who have um, believed our sin. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. If you spend time meditating on that, it's hard to have it not bring you to tears. And if it doesn't bring you to tears, think about what you were apart from that. Um, Jesus went to the cross so that we could be made the righteousness of God. That, that's awesome. That's imputations. Adoption. Ephesians 1.5 says he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. Adoption is the process by which a child is benevolently given the full rights of membership to a family in which they do not naturally belong. Um, I grew up in a home. I have two biological siblings. One of them you probably know. We call him Josh. Um, I have eight adopted siblings. 
Um, that was life-changing when those kids came into our house. Seven of them had the same mom, all you know, born the first 12 years of their lives in a different home. And my parents brought them into their home to give them membership into our family. That was life-changing for us. It was life-changing for them. Um, they didn't do anything to deserve that. They weren't the cute ones that we picked out. Um, they were the ones that God put in our home. Um, and it was life transforming. And, um, and I truly believe they, they were in the Philippines. They were in Metro Manila. We went over to Metro Manila to pick them up. I was about 16 when it happened. And I remember seeing all of these kids literally playing in sewage. Like it was life changing for me to go to Metro Manila at 16. Like I was a suburb kid who was complaining about everything that had nothing to complain about. And I go over there and I see where they were living and I see the filth that they were in. And my parents took as many as they could. Seven's a lot, by the way. Um, (laughs) I moved out a year later, but that's a different story. Um, Like seven's a lot. Um, They didn't do anything to deserve or to to earn that adoption. Um, And they came and were given a completely different life. Um, And it was life-changing for them. and it was God's grace that, it put, that he put that on my parents' heart to do that. Um, and I believe that they probably wouldn't be alive today if they'd stayed in Manila. Um, it, the life expectancy of a street kid in Metro Manila can't possibly be 30. Um, and anyway, so when I think about adoption, I remember driving to the orphanage to pick them up. Um, they, weren't, they didn't come with the clothes on their back. The orphanage had three sets of clothes period and there were 21 kids in the orphanage and we took a third of them so um, we went straight to the mall bought them clothes took the clothes back I think we bought more clothes clothes were really cheap in the Philippines (laughs) Um, and they didn't come with the clothes on their back and they came here and I just I whenever I see adoption in scripture I remember those moments Um, and that was as life-changing as it was for them it was life-changing for me which I think is kind of an interesting testimony when we just talk about when we interact with non-believers and see them come to faith and how that's life-changing for us. Um, it's cool how God uses um, things that happen in our world as analogies for what happens in our heart um, and what happens positionally before him. So that's my adoption tangent. Um, but we were adopted he predestined us to adoption as his as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. Um, the next one, union with Christ. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We will have union with Christ. Expiation means sin removed. John 1.29 The next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Our sins are removed. And then there's propitiation. Are God's wrath being satisfied. 1 John 2, 2, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Propitiation is the act of satisfying a fully absorbing, or fully absorbing the righteous wrath of the judge. And then there's redemption. Bought with Jesus' blood. Galatians 3, 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. To redeem is to purchase away from the power of another by the payment of a price. God redeemed us with his blood. And then there's reconciliation. Being at peace with God. What a sweet truth um, that we can be at peace with God. Romans 6.10 For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 
To be reconciled is to be restored into a peaceful relationship with our Savior. And really with our Creator. Forgiveness. Ephesians 1.7 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. And then the last one, the old man is crucified. Romans 6, 6, I'll read this again. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we are no longer to be slaves of sin. Those are the components of the regeneration event. I think just kind of looking at the components, you know the benefits. Um, But I have benefits in my notes, so we'll go through some of the benefits very clearly. Um, These benefits are unchangeable, objective realities secured by God for the believer at conversion. There are benefits to regeneration, and they are unchangeable, they're objective, and they were secured by God. What are they? We're loved by God. Uh So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, God now has a personal affection towards the one who formerly lived at enmity with him. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? The Father dispatched the Holy Spirit into a rebel to regenerate him and take up residence within him. It's pretty awesome. We're indwelt by Christ, Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now have in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. The Christian is one with Christ, Ephesians 2, and this means that Christ is in him. I think if you go through your notes, there's just a lot of my favorite verses here. Um, just such sweet truth. I, um, I'm a bad memorizer. Like, I got through college by memorizing an hour before tests so I could get through the test and then re- forgot everything. Um, you don't want me to be your industrial engineer. Um, <laughs> but um, when I look at these truths and when I look at God's Word, I think it's the only place in my life where I really try to memorize things. I really want to teach these things to myself so I can recall them without having to go back. And I'm still not very good at it. Um, But I encourage you, um, pick a few of these over the course of this year. It's not that hard. Pick a few of them and say, these are the ones that I really want to know and I really want to recall and I really want to go back to. Um, And I don't want to have to open the Bible to find it and go, where was that? I know it was in Galatians. It's probably on the left side of the page. Oh, there it is. be able to quote it, be able to say it. Um, it's it's going to help you in those moments. Um, maybe you're discouraged by your own sinfulness. Um, go back to these verses and go, no, this is who I am in Christ. Um, all right, working through the benefits. We're a member of Christ's body. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Doesn't take a ton of interpretation to figure that one out. Um, the Christian is one with Christ. This means that he is in Christ's members of one another. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one of another. All believers are a part of the body of Christ. And this means we are all members of one another. Um, there's an entire lesson um, where we're going to talk about how we interact with each other 
Um, actually, I think we're going to do that as devotionals this year uh, because it was one that got cut and I didn't want to lose it. So um, we're going to talk about what that means really to act out the one another's with each other and what that looks like. Um, we have confident access to God. Think about that. The one who created us, the one who we were born into rebellion and enmity with, we now have confident access to. Um, I, I have a buddy, actually I haven't known him in a long time. We used to work together back at Intel, and I've been away from Intel for like 18 years. So uh, we interact now annually. But when we work together at Intel, he's Sikh. Um, and so I asked him, like, explain to me what salvation looks like for your belief. And he said, well, I try to do as much good as I can so that hopefully one day the gods will notice me and then I can move on to the next level. If they don't notice me, I die and I try again. Um, that's scary. Um, we have confident access to God. We don't have to try to gain his notice. Um, he's in us. We have access. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're able to draw near to God. Um, we're not an enemy of him. Um, we aren't trying to get his notice. He notices us. Um, he loves us. He's with us. He wants to be near to us, and we have access to him. We're under grace. Romans 5 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in our hope of the glory of God. God's grace has been lavished upon the Christian to enable them to walk in newness of life. We're saved from God's wrath. It's funny, when I became a Christian, I feel like that was the sales pitch, that we're saved from God's wrath. And that's awesome, and it's truth, and all this other stuff is way better. Um, or maybe not, I don't know. They're all great, but we're saved from God's wrath. Um, therefore, having been justified by faith, oh, that's the wrong one, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. I think Smed, yeah, I'm pretty sure Smed said that he tries to read about hell on a weekly basis, maybe even a daily basis. Um, I think that's really, I, that's really good. That's helpful. I, I, I'm probably not that frequent, but I try to remind myself of what hell is really like regularly. Um, because if we know what we could be suffering apart from him, um, I think it's going to grow in our love to be able to, to be near to him. Sometimes I think we gloss over God's wrath. As Christians, we kind of forget about God's wrath because it's no longer a problem for us. Um, but it, there's so much truth in Scripture about what God's wrath could have been um, that it's going to drive us to grow in our love for him. So don't forget the topics um, that are too easy. Think for a minute about the fieriest, hottest, darkest, loudest, most un stable environment you can imagine and consider the fact that that's what you deserve. We're free from condemnation. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God will condemn the unregenerate rebel, but he will not condemn the one for whom Christ was condemned in their place. God will condemn the unregenerate rebel, but he will not condemn the one because Christ was condemned in our place. We're unable to be separated from Christ. Romans 8. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, this is a person that was formerly an enemy of God and his son, and now the Christian cannot be separated from Jesus. We have peace with God. 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Formerly at enmity with him, we are now at peace. We have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Um, What was the list of the unregenerate man we read earlier? Living in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the desires of flesh and his mind. That's not us. We have the fruit of the Spirit. And we're citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20 For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our home is in heaven. That's the regeneration event. Um, We were an enemy. We are now all of these things. Um, That's not a regeneration process. That's what happened in a moment when God transformed us. Um, So, that was what I wanted to spend most of today on. I've got 10 minutes, and so I want to preview um, next week a little bit. So turn with me to Romans 8 again. I say next week. Don't come next week. I won't be here. Um, Whatever the date is in your thing, that's what's on my calendar. That's what I'm going to plan on being. Um, I think it's the 11th. Yes. All right. So on the 11th, um, we'll go over the regenerate man and the rest of the handout. Um, or the rest of the blue folder thing. Um, But I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, So here we go. Um, the The regenerate man is in Christ, but he's in a mixed condition. So in the middle part of this handout, and I'm going to talk about this a lot this year, Um, If you look at the middle part of this handout, we tried to represent, and by we, I mean, I don't know who worked on this. I think Mike Jones helped build it. It's been a decade probably. But so we, I mean, Grace Bible Church people that did it before me. Um, But what we're trying to represent here is progressive sanctification. Um, You're way more dark at the moment of the regeneration event than you are at um, death or at the moment of rapture or at whatever happens at the end of this. You're going to be going from gray to yellow as you're becoming more Christ-like. So we have all these tools that we've talked about in our tool belt. We have all these things that happen in a regeneration moment, but the regeneration, regenerate man um, is in what we call a mixed condition. Um, And we'll we'll spend a lot of time, that's most of what next time is gonna be talking about is what is the mixed condition? So when I talk about shepherding my heart, Um, I'm talking about meeting with God so that I can become more yellow. Um, That's obviously figurative. Um, So um, let's look at Romans 8 again. I'm going to read 5 through 13 and then kind of touch on what this means with the regenerate man. And then, like I said, um, next time we're going to spend most of our time on this. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, But if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, For if we are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Um, 
and that, that last phrase, for if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, that is what I mean when I say I'm shepherding my heart. Um, the result of regeneration is a regenerate man. To find out what that regenerate man looks like, let's look at verse 5. Who are you in Christ now? Who are those who are according to the Spirit? Who are those who set their minds according to the Spirit? Or we are those who are according to the Spirit. We are those who set our minds according to the Spirit. Um, verse 6, we have the mi a mindset of the Spirit, life and peace. What a contrast to the old man. Verse 9, we're in the Spirit rather than in the flesh. Rather than the unmixed, unregenerate man, we're being in the Spirit, not influenced by the flesh, but no longer in the flesh the way we once were. I think my notes are wrong there. We're in the Spirit, but we are influenced by the flesh, but we're no longer in the flesh the way we once were. The Spirit of God dwells in us, and there is a conflict. The flesh is influence and sin. The flesh is still there, and it's in conflict with the Spirit. And verse 10 says, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. That's a clear description of the mixed condition. That is the new creation in Christ expressed now, not the one in heaven or at re resurrection. And 11 says, But if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. The Father chooses to impart spiritual life to the regenerate man through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So what? Um... Romans 8, 12, and 13 says you are under obligation in this new mixed creature condition to not live according to what your sinful flesh says, but live according to the Spirit. And 8, 13 says we're putting to death the deeds of the body. That is what it means to live today in Christ. That is the foundation under you that supports your fight against sin and your flight from sin. Our foundation in Christ by the Spirit is designed to support a radical fight and conflict against indwelling sin. So, you without Christ, you were unrighteous, and you were unable to not sin. That's what I talked about earlier. You were unable to not sin. Um, then for believers, a regeneration event happens, and that event declares you righteous. And does all of the stuff we described in an instant. And then you're a regeneration, regenerate man being made righteous. You're not a regenerate man righteous. You're a regenerate man being made righteous. Um, Christ in you, the body, is dead because of sin. But the spirit is alive. And we'll talk next time about how we get this man from black and yellow to bright yellow and black. Um, and that's and then we'll hit the right side. So um, thank you men for listening, for plowing through a lot of theology today. Um, let me close us in prayer. And if you have any questions or want to chat, um, I'm here. Your group leaders are here. Um, we don't need to wait till two weeks from now to kind of wrestle with this. Uh, or if you want to wrestle with this for two weeks and then talk to us about it, that's awesome too. Um, let me pray. Lord God, spent a couple of weeks preparing this and been transformed. Um, maybe that's overstating or the wrong word, but been just so encouraged to see what you did in a moment when you changed us. What I was apart from you Lord, and I, I don't know why, God, other than that you love us and you chose me. Um, Lord, thank you for that. Um, what a joy it is to see what happened in that moment when you transformed us. 
Um, Lord, thank you for giving us tools to fight our flesh. And thank you for giving us the ability to do so. Lord, I want to be pleasing to you with my life. I think we all do, Lord. And so we we come before you and ask, uh, help these truths to be real in our lives. Help write them on our hearts so that we cling to them every day. So that when we battle sin, we know that we are a different man than we were. That we have the tools to battle sin. And that we're near to you. And that we can do that, Lord. Help us to do that well. In your name. Amen.